I, I am. Uh, all right. I will start with one, and then we'll go through eight, okay? All right. All right. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Okay. That was way up. That didn't, that didn't feel like a good rhythm, but maybe we should tell some knock-knock jokes to... Uh, to, to line out better because then you got like the natural cadence of a uh, anticipating you, at the sort of knock knock you got one buzz one out oh i've always i've always got stupid jokes is that even a question but is this how we want to open up our world to the audience is oh this, i have this, this i is, mean this is the first impression we're leaving i, I yes i was talking to someone earlier about this concept of having no plan and um they said oh you need a theme song and i said that is one thing I haven't been able to not think about. Like every time I think about this thing, I think we will need an intro of some sort. Sure. Maybe bad knock knock jokes is the intro. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, is that, but is that a sonically no, good no. experience for no. listeners' ears? You're absolutely right. It's it's probably not. I do, I do like it. It's it is it fits the name. I think. <laughs> yeah. Do we like? Do we introduce our podcast? Do we say hello and welcome? At we some point, we're going to have to be like, welcome to Moronic Evolution. I'm a moron and you're evolved. Or whatever our tagline is. <laughs> at the very least, someone at this stage will be listening to this and they'll be sort of clicked on a title that says Moronic Evolution Episode 1 with a little description that says something like, we don't know what we're doing, but with your help, we'll find out. You know, pithy, snappy... Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, but I, I by no means is anything set in stone. I feel like if we wanted to, we could change everything right now. That's true. Well, that's that's so much responsibility. Yeah, I mean, and also it's none at all. You know, no, no, uh, no, no, no idea is too bad at this stage because we have nothing. That's true. I do, I do like the boldness of our idea. Me too. In that our. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 concept of our show, which we should explain, probably, yes. Uh, the concept is so dependent on us having an audience mm. that when we don't get one, inevitably, we'll be like, "Well, <laughs> we're doing the same thing this week." Well, as you mentioned, the boldness. Like, I had this idea. It must be probably not quite ten years ago, but six to eight, probably. And I had two friends at the time who were keen to do something together. The three of us were really well, uh, you know. Uh, friendship-wise rapport we had and i said oh let's do a podcast and movies popped up because of course a lot of me and my friends are quite movie fan-ness as are you and um yeah but there was a lot of hesitancy about okay we've got to plan it out we've got to like we've got to like decide what we're doing and i was just like let's just have no plan let's just press record just press record (laughs) and see what happens because at the very least you're gonna get (laughs) friends having fun and laughing and you know and and I've had people say to me, like, oh, you guys are so funny together, you should record, you know. And um, on telling people about this, uh, they said, oh, you guys work so well together, yeah, it'll be funny. And um, uh, as well as saying, oh, I'll listen. Where are you posting it? Can I listen live? So, like, I think we've already got an audience, really, even if it's three people. Oh, good, great. Yeah, even if it's just people from the server. Absolutely. We should also explain the server. Yes, that's true. (laughs) That's something that we should talk about. Because we're going to keep mentioning the crockery, aren't we? So... A million. So, so just other, half of our conversation. Yeah. So, so, other than the concept of moronic evolution being a podcast with no plan that will 
stupidly evolve over time because we we'll just develop our dumb stupid bits yeah we'll continue i finally found someone bold enough to agree (laughs) to it um i don't know if bold is the right (laughs) term but maybe maybe moronic enough i that's what it is well yes as we uh, realized just before we started recording uh that my intention is that it's not us that's moronic it's the concept but you may be right it's the perfect way to open the show, right? Is a miscommunication. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we say, have, a... oh, we should be recording this. So. Whereas I, yeah, we literally stopped our conversation and went, we should press record. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was under the impression that the moronic aspect of the title of moronic evolution was our moronic evolution. <laughs> where like, we acknowledge openly that this is a dumb idea, which we do, but I think, I think your intention was more, the evolution yeah. is moronic and we are... I don't know. Elegant? What do you? What do you? Well, what do you yeah. See us as here? In, in my in my vision, I'm looking towards the sort of luminaries of the podcasting world that I have enjoyed listening to over the years, and I see them doing what seems like effortless improv comedy. Uh, and I look at it and I think, man, if I tried that, it would be such a stupid thing to do. I'd have to have a plan. So when I had the idea to have no plan, I was like, that's bold and stupid. But I hope that I, if I emulate them well enough, then it's not me being stupid, because actually it works. If it works, then it's not stupid, right? Yeah. That sounds great. That, that, that's my rationale, but, even if it's but not. But the risk, the, the coin that we're flipping here is on the tail side. If, we, if this doesn't work, we look like the biggest fucking idiots. Ah, the, but the beauty of that is if this doesn't work, no one hears it. That's true. So this we're never going to be famous for being stupid. Situation. We're either going to be famous or stupid. Or stupid. Yeah. Or, well, I, I think we might. I think it's very possible that we might be famous for being stupid as well. <laughs> I think uh, we have that, that, that is, capacity. That is, a, that is on the table. Uh, d- the other question I had in my head is, do we introduce ourselves? I think we do. I think we do this time. Are we? Uh, right? Well, at the very least. But are we us or are we new podcast we- people? I think we extend. I, I think. I mean, we both have fake names. But, uh, true. Our first. Our first. Our first and last names, right? We, uh, or, uh, yeah. You, you have a first. You have a fake first. And last yes. Name, so yeah. Right? My name is John Kinte. And my name is Holly Davenport. Holly Davenport. Correct. I don't think I knew that. I know really? you as Holly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been that for a while, but it's it, the, my fake last name has always been Davenport. If I had to guess, I probably would have just called you Doc. You know. Doc Holly. Yeah. Well, that's where Holly. That's where Holly comes from. It's right. A shortened version of Holiday, which is a nickname I had for a while. And uh, my name, uh, Kinte. Uh, I put John on the front of it, but um, that that is what my brain heard. I misheard a friend speaking, and I heard the name John Kinte in there, and I was like, "Who? That's such a cool name!" And it's like, "What a it, badass!" It was no one. <laughs> so, so <laughs> it's, I took it's a it. fake person. Yeah. It wasn't even a person's name they were saying. It was just nonsense my brain found. Um, yeah so other than a a theme tune and an introduction and an audience I literally have nothing else that I've planned like all four I mean that's the bit right (laughs) that's the the twisted web we're weaving this is is the hurdle Um, Um, we don't I mean we have a lot of oh we should explain the server before we do anything else for for a basis of information asterisk back to that mention the server a discord yeah. server a discord server 
uh, called The Crockery. The origin of our meeting. Yeah, the origin of, I mean, the origin of, of most of the people that I know on this planet Earth. <laughs> so I met yeah, the, the majority now. Uh, uh, the Crockery is a Discord server uh, based around the popular fantasy novel series uh, called The Kingkiller Chronicles, written by Patrick Rothfuss, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, you have been a part of for yeah. Lord knows how long. More specifically, it is the official Discord server of the official subreddit and wiki for The King Killer Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss. Right. Uh, that's it. I realized in the middle of saying that that you're a far stronger authority <laughs> in talking about the server because I've been there for like uh, eight months, nine months. It's been. And you've been there. You, you're like one of years. the main staff members. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I am currently the Chancellor of the Crockery, which, if anyone who is listening who has read the books will know that that is based on the the, the staff of the university in these books. Uh, we yeah. have a panel of masters, and, and I am the Chancellor on that. But, I mean, it's all just nerds hanging out, being nice to each other. There's about 1,500 people on the server, but, uh, but only, a lot of people. only a couple of hundred real regulars. All delightful people and um, like truly active people. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just the curse of Discord servers, yes. right? Is that you join Discord servers based off your interests, and then most of the time you're a ghost, <laughs> like you don't say anything, and then every once in a while, like I, I, I joined uh, uh, servers for a bunch of different stuff that I was into, like all at once, and I have since trickled out of one hundred percent of those mm -hmm. outside of the crockery. Yeah, I've joined a couple for YouTubers and for gaming mm -hmm. and things. Yeah. I mostly only ever stay for the emojis. Fair. That's totally fair. I think, oh, I should leave that. I never talk. And then I'm like, but wait, they've got that one cute one of a cat holding a banana or something. And I'm like, I need it. <laughs> Follow-up question. Will this will this be on the Gazette? Will something about the Gazette? Or will something about this That's be on the Gazette? That's a good question. I, I, I'm, I, guess, I'm a, I guess here's the best place to work it out. Yeah, I'm aware that, uh, at least to start with, the vast majority of our our listenership will be crockery based therefore sure where best to advertise it than a crockery based publication uh, I think that's newspaper. Fair. so uh i'm sure as we are both members of the editing team of that i'm sure we can throw a weight around and get it involved in, in an article or right um but yeah I, I think um brass tacks uh is there anything on the top of your head right now that you think a podcast should have like uh features? like structurally or like oh sure I meant like like features. Like, what is it we're doing? What are we introducing? Are we going to have an interview? Should I should I interview you? That sounds great. Let's do that. Do you have questions on uh, the top of your question, head? Question one: uh, How much is a pint of milk? This is this is to test how economically in touch you are with the common man. How oh like like monetarily? Yeah, like do you go to the store and buy milk yourself on a regular basis, or do you have someone to do that for you? You have to consider that I live. We should note we should note this as well. The cultural divide between well, that's true, is that I live in Central California mm. in the United States, and I live in rural Southwest England. Correct. Um, we don't. I've. I don't think I've ever in my life purchased a pint of milk. Really? Oh, oh right. No, no. So, it's gallons. So here, gallons and half gallons. Technically, they actually come in liters, but we still talk in pints because while switching to the oh. metric system legally, there's a lot of like cultural spillover so when i say a pint i actually mean a liter oh god okay. <laughs> um this is a mistake uh um, i you can... i work at a grocery store it's like it's like 
three to four dollars, depending on the quality of a gallon of milk. So incorrect. Call it like it's about one pound ten. What? <laughs> it depends. We're talking cross sizes. I don't know. I'd have to Google like the sizes of things. That sounds like that is a... that is absurd. I don't, I also don't know the relation to pound to dollar. So. Okay, so you've traveled recently through Ireland I and did. France, and you have had Guinness in Ireland. Quite a bit. If you imagine the size of like a pint of Guinness, which I'm sure you had, I had probably fifteen. That's like that's more than a liter. Five hundred milliliters is about equal to a pint. So two pints is about a liter. Oh. And typically, we we buy our milk in. I, I apologize for the bad Irish accent. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm just, sure that will be a staple. I just slipped into it. Um, yeah, we buy our milk in liters, two liter, four liter, that kind of thing. So, like a like a right. bottle of Coke, like a small single serving bottle of Coke, is 500 milliliters. Oh Jesus, really? Uh, yeah, and a can is 330. So it's about a third of a liter. So if you're buying milk, you're buying like three cans worth or two bottles worth, of like soft drink speak. Oh Christ! Uh, and then, well, still, I imagine it's much cheaper where you are as well. It might be. Again, California groceries are just more expensive. But this is a um, this is a question that comes from a section in uh, the movie magazine Empire, which is a British publication. Really, and they have a set of questions um, that they ask celebrities, um, and one of them is. How much is a pint of milk? Okay. I, if I can find the list. How much is a pint of milk? And I know that they've had some trouble with um, uh, uh, people mishearing. Because one of the questions, I think, used to be, how hairy is your ass? <laughs> uh, which someone asked... Um, well, who, who was it they asked? It was a French footballer. Um Eric Cantona, he did a movie, and he thought they were saying, how airy is your house? Uh, and answered how airy his house was, as in response. <laughs> which is amusing, if not Tell me they recorded accurate. his answer. Uh, unfortunately not, it's a, te- it's a text-based thing. Oh. So, so how, how about we do this interview to each other, and we'll see. Okay, well, I'll need the questions as well. Sure, sure. Well, the first one is, which movie have you seen the most? Out of any film ever. Sure. What do you reckon? Oh, probably Goodfellas. Really interesting. There was a period. There was a period of time where I watched that film, like once a week, when I was like, mm. when I learned that movies could be good. You know, when you're a kid and then you like have a moment where you're like, oh shit, like movies are good. <laughs> like, like yeah. you're you're so used to like kids' films and stuff that when you're like, I, I was probably like 14 when I saw that film. Um. And was like, oh, wow, this is phenomenal. I'm never going to watch anything else. Uh, so, yeah, I've probably, probably seen that one a good number of times. What, uh, about, what about you? I had a moment, similarly, 13 or 14, maybe even a bit younger, of sneaking mm. out of bed at, like, 2 in the morning to watch uh, More Rats uh, on oh, okay. TV. And I, uh, my sister, who was three years older than me, had mentioned that she'd heard of it and wanted to see it. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And I noticed it in the TV schedule as being on that night, so I snuck out and I watched it, and it was hilarious. It was—I was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a Kevin Smith uh, fanboy now. I've certainly watched all his movies and enjoyed most of them. But yeah. I th- uh, for me, the most, movie I've seen the most there are definitely comfort movies like um, 
uh, Leon the Professional or Tarantino movies like Pulp Fiction or The okay. Fifth Element, which I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. Or it's certainly enjoyed every time I've seen them. But like movies I've gone back and watched regularly that would boost the numbers. I'm trying to think. Um, I've certainly watched like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings a bunch. Like Lord of the Rings is one that I I revisit that trilogy probably twice a year. Yeah, and that and that adds up. Oh, we should also mention I I have a few years experience on you. Me being in my late thirties. Oh my god, so. we should mention the letterbox thing. <laughs> the letterbox. I I was so stoked to get Kinsey into Letterbox, which yeah. for those who don't know is a website where you essentially log all of the films that you've seen mm. and you you can log when you watch films and your your uh your opinion of them on a five-star scale and you can leave reviews if you like right. but for me and and the people that i know it's just a really good way to catalog how you feel about all the movies you've seen and i i, I went through probably about a year ago and i was very confident like even the one-off like i saw this movie this made for tv movie once and then never thought about it again like i was very confident i had every film i had ever seen logged in this website i'm sure you did and i i'm a person this will be another thing that I'll, i'm sure with the amount of time we'll talk about movies this will come up over and over again the amount of films i have yet to see well i mean uh, it, you and i both consider each other to be film fans you know however you pitch that whatever level you most definitely put that yeah. at. we definitely both enjoy them a lot and i i studied media at college um mm-hmm. And but even before that, I knew I liked movies. Like it was part of my life. And yeah, when you said, "Oh, do you have a letterbox?" You know, I said, no, "I've got a Goodreads." Like you know, and you said, "Oh, same thing." You know, so <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. I, I like books. I like movies. I like music. Uh, I never thought to catalog my movies in a social media kind of way or or a, or a referenceable kind of way. So I just, mm-hmm. as you said, uh, at your encouragement, I just logged on and started clicking that little eye symbol to say you'd seen it. And I was going and I got, pages pages. I got to, <laughs> I was like, okay, I've seen a lot more movies than I thought. I got to maybe 550, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less than 550. And I checked on you mm-hmm. eight hours after you made an account. And you yeah. were like, yeah, I've got 1100 films. And then, and then the next day you're like, yeah, I got up to 1400. And then you're like, oh, forgot a few. And now I'm up to 1,600. And I think your total somewhere on the realm of 1,700 films. Uh, it's 1,831. Oh. Um, you have over-tripled. I I think it was, if, if, you, if you list the movies by year, or by popularity for all years, the, I mm-hmm. think it's 48 uh, images a page you get. And I did 50 pages of clicking. <sighs> So oh I went, I went through, I worked it out. It was, I, I've seen about half the movies that I've looked at. But here's the thing. I did all those pages too. Yeah. Letterboxd has a, has a way for you to look at, I mean, it's it's an exaggeration, but it, it it's essentially every popular film in known history. I don't think, that's, like, I don't think that's really an exaggeration. It, it is genuinely the vast majority of any movie you could think of. It's probably on there. Like and for, you can just it's like it's it's like six hundred and eighty thousand listings yeah. or whatever, and you can just click through and click through and click through your entire life and then log all the films you've seen. I did. I got way, way, way far in that list. Way far in that list, and I'm still pretty confident in my like five hundred and thirty-five or whatever. And you, you have seen. When I pointed out to you, I said, "Well, I've had twice as long to watch them," and you were like, "Yeah, fair enough." You know, about, that's not true. You're not twice my age. Uh, yeah, I am, almost. No, I'm 22. Yeah, okay. I'm not quite 44. I'm 37. So, 
That's not even close. <laughs> That's seven years away from well, twice What I mean is, I used to watch movies like twice a day. I have had like 15 years of adult life where I can do what I want, and I decided to watch movies with it. Um, That's fair. It, the same thing comes to books. There are some people who are younger than me who have read more books than I have, and there are some people mm-hmm. who I, I can't even fathom how they fit things in their days because they're reading so much. But I, as a kid, I used to read a lot. Like I've like most of the fantasy and sci-fi series people talk talk about. I'm like, yeah, I, I know that one. That's the other thing I was going to mention is that you every time I'm like, okay, so you've spent your into every waking minute of your entire <laughs> life watching films. Uh, and then we start talking about books later on in the night, and then I go, oh, have you read this? You go, oh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah. How do you have time for this? Um, I skipped the whole part of my life where I did anything remotely useful towards a career. <laughs> Pretty much. I remember skipping days okay. in secondary school to go and lie in the reeds by the river and read Harry Potter, you know? like that's not, Okay, two things. One, that sounds lovely. Two, you're going to have to explain to me which one secondary school is. Uh, secondary school is 11 to 16, basically. Age 11 to age 16. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's like an, a little bit earlier than high school in America? Because uh, high school for me was th- was 13 to 17. Usually it's 14 to 18. Yeah, it's shifted slightly. Um, basically, at the end of that career chunk, when you're 16, you do what you would call your GED, and we would call our GCSEs, a general certificate okay. of, of you know some stuff. Like across all of the standard maths, English, science kind of stuff, uh, and then you do what we call college or sixth form, and you would bundle into high school as the last two years, sort of thing. And then we would do university, which is what you call college, uh, higher education, quote unquote. Sure. Uh, so I did uh, my sixth form, what you would call the last two years. What do you call it? Uh, I can't uh, in high it. school. Yeah, like what you have names, so it's, don't you? The, the f- first year is freshman, right? The second year is sophomore. The third is junior, and the fourth is senior. Mm. Whereas we just which the, which the same them. can be said about college, right? So you can be a freshman in high school, meaning you're you're in what is it ninth grade, or you could be a freshman in college, meaning you've graduated high school, but it's your first year in what is meant to be a four year experience. So what's that freshman in high school like? Fourteen. I was thirteen. But but yes, traditionally it's it's you uh, you would turn fifteen sometime in your freshman year. That's interesting. So there are analogs because because the years of fourteen to fifteen and fifteen to sixteen uh, in in school here, th- those two years dedicated to your general certificate, like the three years before that, eleven to thirteen, are like find out what you want to do like do every subject and the exams don't mm-hmm. really mean much it's just let's find out how smart or idiotic you are and we'll put you in classes yeah. and then when you <laughs> sure. and then when you hit 14 15 that year uh they say we're gonna do mock exams at the end of this year and then we're gonna do proper exams at the end of next year so this is like if you don't do them everyone will think you're stupid like this is you go out into the world, oh. university or okay. job or whatever at 16, when you don't legally then don't have to do any more schooling. Uh, if you don't have your GCSEs, people will be like, what the fuck, can you write? You know? <laughs> um, it's somewhat similar here. I mean, th- y- there are courses that you, or no, I shouldn't say courses, I should say tests, that you have to pass yeah. in order to graduate high school. Just, just like a proficiency exam, basically, like you have the base level of knowledge it takes to to consider 
like graduating high school essentially to be sure. considered for graduating high school. Uh, but you take those your your second year. Yeah. So you, you take it about midway through your because wow. the the graduation requirements are about at a sophomore level, because really their intention is to to keep you moving. Yeah. Right? Like they 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 don't want to put hurdles in your way to graduate because they know that in it, the way that it works in America is you you need to at least graduate high school for most jobs. Uh, so they, they'll, they'll shove you through that. Um, but we have tests uh, like the SATs and PSATs, which yeah. are, are, I think, similar to what you're explaining, which is um, you don't have to take them and you'll be fine if you don't take them. Not really. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so right. essentially what it sounds like you're saying is, uh, I don't know what you call I, I my, <laughs> You have to understand, my understanding of the American education system comes from movies such as She's All That and Mean Girls. <laughs> I, I ha- like I hear about midterms and I'm like, okay, those are exams, right? Um, uh, essentially, if you're at school in the UK and you hit 16, you do a bunch of exams, like nine exams across all of the core subjects and you get a grade in them. And that is like the most basic actually important test you can take at that point there are there are tests you can take before that like indicative tests uh, coming out of primary school at like 11 that you can take which sound more like the sats they're just like broad okay. aptitude tests but no one really cares what the results are it's just so that schools can see roughly where you're at um but your actual certificates of secondary education and then the certificates of higher education when you go to college and university are far more like if you want to do a course in David Beckham studies at Hull University or whatever, you have to have two B's and a C, one being in English or something. Uh, like they specify. There's none of this like point bullshit. Like, oh, what's your GPA? He's like, I have no idea. We just, okay. I just got a bunch of B's, so I'm probably doing all right. You know, people who got A's gotcha. and A stars and stuff are going to like Oxford and Cambridge and studying posh bastard studies. I don't know what what they study there. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I'm doing English lit actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasted a lot of that time in my life and I, oh, yeah, me too. I shrugged and I made friends and I watched movies and I, I created art and I studied how to take a computer apart and put it back together so that I could play Minecraft sure. better, you know? <laughs> um, so when it, when it comes to this topic of movies, it was always a pastime for me, like as intermingled with all those things, I'd come home, I'd watch that VC- VHS recording of Mary Poppins I had like after school when I was a kid, and then, I had a very similar experience with Mary Poppins. Right, and then uh, and then later on I'd have my DVD collection, and then I'd have Netflix or whatever it is. Like over the years, mm-hmm. these things have evolved from you have to put one boxy thing inside a boxy thing to a disky thing inside a boxy <laughs> thing to LimeWire. I'm just downloading random non-famous popular movies. I pick a word in my head. And then just sit, type it into LimeWire and download whatever You're video kidding, file came really? with it. Yeah, I found some. And watch the whole thing? Yeah. Uh, I remember typing in the word tattoo, and I found like three different movies that had the word tattoo in it. So it might be like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and The Tattooist, uh-huh. and The and the uh, Tattooist of Auschwitz, or whatever. Which I don't think existed at the time. But it was something like that. And I just watched them and go, hmm, that was bad. Oh, that was good. Well, hmm, that was interesting. My issue up until... I got much older was I was a fixator 
so I would pick a movie and be like that. Like that's why I said Goodfellas. I'd watch it once mm-hmm. a week, like when I was in like middle school and high school. Is because I would pick a thing and be like, well, this is as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> I would watch it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and I it would be very difficult for me to commit the length of time it takes because movies have only gotten longer as right more people have have liked it has become a more more concrete piece of media or or, or type of media. Um. And it was always so hard for me to be like, I'm going to dedicate the next two hours and 30 minutes to this film about, you know, gangsters or whatever. Like, it, it, it was very hard for me to sit down and commit all that time because of, like, my focus issues and, yeah. and my, my problem of, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to understand it or what if I end up not liking it and then I just feel like I've wasted this time. Um, now, I'm much better about it now because I'm, like, an adult. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, that that's why I think my my list of films is so short. What 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 would you call that? Uh, uh, high frequency but low amplitude or something like you watch the same things over and over again. So your 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 peaks and troughs are really high, but your yeah, you know, totally whatever the correct metaphor is. Um, no, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, I I have a distinct memory of when I was in college, seventeen, eighteen, and I met like a lot of the friends i'm still friends with now um mm-hmm. and halo 2 was out and we were obsessed with it and we were getting four x's back together like every weekend and playing like system link 16 way uh okay. halo. you know so like it'd be someone in a bedroom upstairs there'd be two people in the front room but you'd have to have like a divider so no one could see the screens and we'd have like different teams <laughs> it was great it was back before you know matchmaking was the main way and they made you do split screen two players maximum and mm-hmm. I remember once everyone had played their games and had eaten their Chinese takeaway or whatever, they'd be like, oh, man, I'm going to go home, I'm going to go to bed. I'd be like, oh, I'll watch a movie. Okay. And I'd be like staying on someone else's sofa or I'd be like going home, whatever, and I'd just be like, I don't want to just go to sleep. So I'd just pick something I'd watch, you know, whatever rom-com or action <laughs> or whatever there was. Like if I was in someone's house that I wasn't usually... I'd pick a DVD from their collection that I didn't know. I'd be like, ooh, Million Dollar Baby, or ooh, uh, Dr. Parnassus is whatever it's called. The, imagin- <laughs> the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, isn't it? So that's where two things came to be in 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 formulating you, which is your love of films and your love of not sleeping. Oh, well, it's. It, I have to admit, it's more one follows the other. That's true. My My habit of not sleeping comes from my love of doing things. <laughs> Um, that's fair. That's totally. I I totally get it. I used to be the exact same way. Um, yeah, I am slightly over the average age of people who keep doing it for their for their mental health. I or uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't uh, know well, if that's true. True, I don't know either. I'm I'm fairly confident to say that most people my age have given up on their dreams and are just working some boring job. <laughs> uh, I'm lucky enough to work a job that I enjoy in a library, sure, in a small community, helping people and yeah. and telling them to read Name of the Wind. <laughs> um, yeah, and sometimes it crosses over with with things like movies and podcasts, and you know. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that was question one. Oh God, <laughs> we're thirty three minutes into a recording. <laughs> so the second question, <laughs> actually, we've already covered is: Do you have a nickname? Oh, um, uh, we do. Yeah, neither of us are going by our uh, yeah our real names. Hol- am, Holly and Kinte are our designated nicknames. Back in the days where I used to play Halo with my friends. Uh, one of my best friends, he had his head behind a TV trying to plug an Xbox in. It was one of those things. Mm-hmm. And he said the line, 
I was talking to Joe on the internet last night. And I said, who? Who's John Kinte? And he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, you just said you were talking to John Kinte last night. He's like, no, I didn't. And that's, that's when my brain burst it. It was Joe on the internet. John Kinte. That's brilliant. My, my nickname for a really long time when I was in school, uh, one of the two, because my senior year, which is, which is my 12th, 12th grade year. Right, right. I split between two high schools because I was in a program where I would take my normal boring bullshit English math classes at my, my main school, the one mm-hmm. that I had gone to up until that point. And then midway through the day, I would drive to another school and take a two, two and a half hour course based solely around media production. Interesting. Uh, so it was like a, yeah. So it was like a, it was like a split program. It was, it was really nice. I really liked it. Um, and they called me holiday for reasons that, I would need to reveal my real name to sure. explain. Uh, and then that somewhere along the lines got shortened to Holly, which is a person's name. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> so I stuck with that a little bit more. Uh, plus, I don't know. I'm, I'm a very, in, in reality, I'm a very tall, very large dude with long hair. And I, I, I like the juxtaposition of like, I've always imagined Holly as a very like dainty feminine mm. name. Not to, not to be, discriminatory but you know what i mean like yeah absolutely. that's 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 how every holly i've ever known has been a very very small very polite but very elegant and feminine woman yeah and i, I liked it for me because of the juxtaposition and also just because i think it's a it's a beautiful name and then davenport is from i think you know what it's from it's I it's, do. it's it's uh named after a uh a character from the adventure zone yeah uh, from the Brothers, which is my <laughs> it's my favorite Maybe my favorite piece of media, my favorite story ever told. Oh, man. Is, is... No one's ever asked me, what is your favorite piece of media? <laughs> what do you think it is? I you, could you not you can answer that? I, don't, I can't ask You've consumed question. a lot of media. And I love a lot of it. I, sure. can't, I cannot, at least not at this moment, I cannot name what is my favorite piece of media. That's fair. Uh, we'll so. be thinking about it. That'll, that'll be a next, that'll be an episode two kind of thing. Uh, new feature, favorites. <laughs> but speaking of new features one of one feature that we should have is half of this show is going to be me being like well that's not how it works in america like we should we should put a name <laughs> yeah, to uh, us c- comparing <laughs> english and american what do we call it like cult- cultural differences cultural differences is perfect that's what we should cultural call it. differences <laughs> that's, let's settle that's some first... cultural differences that's our first... <laughs> that's our first titular bit yeah, uh, t- titular bit sounds like an injury waiting to happen. <laughs> Just um, go on with your next question. Uh, so the third question in the Empire Magazine uh, pint of milk is: Do you have a signature dish um, to make or to eat? Yeah, apparently to make. I think is the is the intention. To make? <laughs> no. Uh, I like I like to cook, and I don't think I have a signature dish. I mean, creme brulee. I've made quite a lot. Oh, nice. Wow, uh, I love delicious. creme brulee, and I got fed up of only being able to eat it in nice restaurants, so I decided to figure out how to make it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably go with that. I'm also pretty... I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm all right at most things, but I don't like. I don't cook for people, so I don't have like a... Uh, this is my pièce de résistance. Uh, prepare yourself. You, you know. cook very very much to your own liking. Oh, absolutely. I cook for myself a lot, um, and if other people are around, I'll happily cook for them, but I don't... I'm not like a dinner party host. I'm just yeah, a, sure. I'm just an enthusiastic home cook who 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 you know likes to get things right. So mm. I I buy the fancy salt and the and the the flavored oils and the you know all that stuff. Um, um, 
I always liked baking more than cooking. Like, I was always, like, the person that's like, let's make a cake. That, I'm the opposite. I can never get on with baking. Really? Yeah. Because it, it all depends on, like, your altitude and how good your oven is and that kind of thing. I can never get, like, the rise on cakes, right? So I just gave up and was mm-hmm. like, fuck it. I can fry a sausage and eat that. <laughs> that's fair. You know. Um, so I guess, like, in in an attempt to not pick a dessert, because mm-hmm. those are, like, I don't know. I feel like feel like baking is usually a whole lot easier. Oh, right. Like it's a yeah. lot more, like, to the instructions than, than, than normal cooking is. It, it, it is arguably more of a science than an art. Yeah. In the interest of picking something that's not uh, a a dessert, I, I I guess biscuits and gravy is the only thing that I can like make that's not yeah. like that's like better than average. <laughs> I guess I mean I'm sure they're not like awesome, but I mean it's the I, only thing I can like do. I've made like a full roast dinner with all the trimmings. You know, it, I really? have the capability, but it's not like something that I'm like, oh yeah, I love doing that. And I'll do it for everybody every weekend. I've made excellent lasagna. I've made you know, fully cooked breakfasts. And wow. They're great, but they're not, I wouldn't call it my signature at all. Jack of all trades. Uh, speaking of English breakfast, my sister had one when we were in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. What's, what is, ha- what's going on? What's wrong? Um, what's going, what, what's happening over there? I was speaking to one of your American brothers in arms uh, yesterday about Waffle House. Oh God. And they mentioned, hash, were they defending hash it? Brown. Cause well, they're you, wrong. Yeah. They worked there uh, for a while and they were saying, Oh, oh no. Anyway, it's not. I have no judgment against you know greasy diner food. We we have mm-hmm. similar establishments in the UK called Greasy Spoons. Uh, um, oh, I see. You know traffic cafes, just real basic food, uh, usually on a greasy plate. Um, a cooked breakfast, in its basic form, if you take out all the elements that are culturally specific, you end up with diner food. It's bacon and sausages and toast and eggs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But when you go to Scotland, they put haggis on it. When you come to the UK, they put blood pudding on it, um, which sounds horrible. But, but like, blood pudding, uh, literal blood and fat sausage that's fried, is it's just a real rich umami flavor. When done right, it's, sure. it's lovely. When done badly, it's not good. As with that was, uh, most delicacies. That was the thing. My, my, my sister ordered it when we were in Ireland yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was going... What is what? <laughs> like, that's real. Yeah, and and she's like, yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah, I did not, I didn't, I didn't try it because I wasn't brave enough. But, so so yeah. it's essentially like a salami made of mm-hmm. a, a paste of seasoned blood and fat, which sounds horrendous. But because you slice it and fry it, you get a crispy, almost like cooked meat outside, and you get a sort of mm-hmm. soft pate like inside. It's not bad at all. Um, I also struggle with the fact that the, the word pudding to me as an American means a snack pack. Yeah. Which is chocolate pudding. <laughs> yeah. That's very different. I don't know why it's called pudding. <laughs> I can't defend that. Um, <laughs> but then Americans have hash browns, which we don't because we have toast with our breakfast and you, double carbs is kind of ridiculous. Sure. So, so. If you go to a lot of places in the UK now, you can get hash browns as part of a breakfast because of the Americanization of it. Um, but it's the beans that most people complain about. Uh, it's the baked uh, beans. Yes, that's the thing that I'm complaining about. And the toast and stuff that people don't get. I yep. mean, if you take cowboys, they have barbecue beans, molasses, and beans. That's true. And, uh, but it's usually, it's usually it, by itself. It's usually its own thing. Yeah, so it, it, when you're having it, as beans on toast, that's like a dish, which is, it's yeah. not, 
like people defend it. I see people on TikTok and, and stuff defending beans on toast from the Americans going, what is happening? And like, the, <laughs> like me. And the, yeah. And the, and the Brits are like, oh, it's the best thing in the world. I fucking love it. It's not the best thing in the world. It is like, <laughs> it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, white people tacos in America. It's like a really easy dish to do. That's not at all like authentic to any tradition. It's just kids, yes. kids like it, whatever. You can replace like the bolognese on a pizza with ketchup. You can bastardize anything into a form where kids will eat it. And that's what Beagle sure. Toast is, basically. It's an easy, relatively healthy, simple thing that a parent can do for a child on any day mm-hmm. of the week. A bit of cheese, hot beans on toast. It's crispy, it's, it's squishy, it's tasty. It's not overly overwhelming for kids palates you know it's like craft dinner here yeah you can uh, put cra- bacon with mac it. and cheese you can put egg with it you can make yeah. it into a full english or you can you know make it into like it's got vegetables on it <laughs> you know it's not high cuisine in any stretch of the imagination but it's like it's, it's now a cultural phenomenon and heinz sell beans by the absolute truckload in the uk and people yes. buy them and use yes, them yes. So. So it's 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 a staple now. Everyone's got beans in their cupboard, and they're they're sort of slightly sweet, slightly uh, caramelized, fruity. You know, like they got in their tomato sauce. They're mm. not the best thing in the world, but I, I like beans. I eat beans with quite a few things. Um, I, I feel like it's become one of those things that's like iconic with Americans' perception of the UK. Yeah, it's it just beans on toast. Like that's like such a british thing yeah it absolutely i mean it absolutely is that's not a wrong conception but like you, you do like jacket potatoes like a like a baked potato that you put cheese and toppings on right oh yeah yeah, yeah and all the time beans is one of the standard things in the uk like to put in a baked potato cheese and beans yeah stick it on top because they're hot, really hot and and, and liquidy and you yeah know. i suppose you're right i mean i get it i do understand it it's, I've never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, it's just, you know, like it's going to be one of the options on the menu if you order it here. It's just standard. If you come to the UK, you can find, like, Airstream diners. Some people absolutely take that concept and, like, yeah. try and recreate it. Because uh, it is so iconic. Like, as you say, these conceptions grow up through whatever culture you're in of mm-hmm. the other culture. And you're like, oh, gee, i got to get my cowboy beans and my eggs over <laughs> easy. <laughs> I gotta cut the steak well done with the side of my fork to show I'm tough. Yeah. No. I remember watching uh, what's that film with uh, Liam Neeson in it? Um, it's called A Walk Among the Gravestones. I've heard of it. It's, it's one of his. It. One of Let's his. Put le- a tally on the films I haven't seen. List. <laughs> it's one of his lesser, lesser successful, more recent like man on a mission who's forgotten his past but can beat people up without even thinking Is it an about action it. Film? Yeah, but he's a he's a private detective who takes on a young uh, kid on the streets as his like unwillingly takes on as his apprentice. Mm. So he's a hard bitten ex cop who's I see. sorting out a case, and he's there's a scene where they're in a diner and he's cutting a well done steak with the side of his fork, even though there's like a knife on the table because it's that tough. <laughs> and I remember watching it thinking, if that's not like, if that wasn't in the script. It's a weird choice for him to make at that point. And if it is in the script, that's so like he's a tough guy. He doesn't care about cutlery. You know, he's just, just gonna... dumb tough guy stuff. Like there is an easier <laughs> yeah. way to do that's how I always consider this is gonna make people mad. This is always that's how I always considered manual cars. Mm. 
of like there's an easy like technology has surpassed having to do this we can do it easier but you're doing it anyways because of whatever like yeah it's, I, I don't know i think at like a top end race level it makes sense to have control over yeah, all the sure. timings and i think if like you're a, driving like a like an Elantra? Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> like, it, you don't need that. If you need to find control for, like, backing around corners with, like, a boat on a trailer or something, I can also see, like, a, mm-hmm. those are the two ends of the scale. But everything in the middle... Yeah, if you're driving just, like, a, a Nissan Micra to the shops, like, yeah. who needs... <laughs> who needs to be able to shift the gears manually? I feel, I, feel, I feel that people are that way about cars quite a bit. It's like, they're going to do the thing they don't need to do because they feel like they have to do it. Yeah, you get a lot of... Um, rich parents in london driving their kids to school in land rovers oh, and you just yeah, have sure. tiny little roads with parked cars on both sides uh-huh. with, with these massive what you would call suv you know off-road vehicles yeah. sports yeah, vehicles yeah. dropping off a four-year-old you know who could hardly climb up the fucking steps into the thing <laughs> um and the, and the parents say, oh, I just feel safe in it you know if if you know i'm so high <laughs> up and secure and sure. i think yeah, for fuck's sake, you can't, like, drive around any corners. Like, your vehicle's so big. Yeah, let's <laughs> say so you have one kid. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of car brands when I was in Ireland that I had literally never even... There were a few that I'd never heard of, but there were a lot that I had heard of but never seen. Like, Peugeot. Like, yeah. I've, I've never once seen a Peugeot in America. As, I've heard of people owning them, as we but I've it, never seen one. A Peugeot. Yeah. A um, per- pardon? Pardon? We would say Peugeot. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I didn't. I don't know how to pronounce well, it. Well, it's French, so it's Peugeot. Uh, but oh, okay. we don't gotcha. say that. And Renault. Um, we say Peugeot and Renault because we anglicize it a bit. But sure, yeah. Peugeot and Renault, like that's not it. It's like <laughs> Toyota and Nissan, like yeah, they're all Japanese. We have a lot. We have a lot of Japanese brands, and we also have an odd um, occurrence. I think it's. I can't remember. I think it's Nissan. That is uh, uh, they're Japanese as well, right? Or they're yes. an Asian company. But on the yes, yes. European mainland, they have a different name. They go by Opal, I believe it is. I think oh, right that's right. That. Someone uh, told me that while I was there. So you actually end up with exactly the same models with different badges on. And if you mm. look up, uh, you know the the who makes this car, you realise that you actually you've seen them before elsewhere, like with a different brand. Mm. I don't know why they do it, but. You can go to a different country and see like wildly different cars, and some of them are like local brands, like you yeah. know British brands that really only sell in the UK, and then you have a lot of European sure. ones, obviously, a lot of German, French. Yeah, yeah, you were uh, you yeah. were playing uh, GeoGuessr the other day, and I saw there was a Lada in it, and I was like, well, oh it's, yeah, it's got to right. be Russian because it's the only <laughs> Russian brand of car I know, and it, they're so recognisably yeah. boxy. I, I can't. Even, we don't have those here. I can't name one. I think I've only ever seen like one in my life, but right. But it was a Greek friend that I knew who drove it from Greece to England across Europe. Oh Jesus! Uh, you know, it's so That's recognizable as a not normal car. Like, what the fuck's this? Yeah. All right, we've been digging around. What's the next question? Uh, right. Um, uh, when were you most starstruck? Like yeah. ever? Yeah. So you you've met some moderately famous people, haven't you? Uh, a few. I a haven't few. really, but I really, some, yeah, I, <laughs> I've got some stories I can tell, but they're not like, wow, I was never really starstruck. Um, well, from the ages of fourteen to about seventeen, maybe eighteen. Yeah, I was into wrestling, oh. WWE. 
I was big into wrestling. And and in, in 2015, I went to WrestleMania 31. Wow. So I met everybody. <laughs> I, met, I met all all of the massive uh, wrestling people. They're uh, all fairly massive, aren't they? Like the, the John Cena, The Undertaker. The, oh, you like, managed to I, see I, John I, Cena? I, I did. I met him, yeah. Nice. Um, uh, who else? The, a lot of like like old school wrestlers, like the NWO guys. I met. Um, there's lots of people who, who like don't wrestle anymore, but are big. Um, and were you starstruck? Um, yeah, I would say so. Like 15 year old me was like, oh shit, that's dope. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I just met Razor Ramon or whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, and then I've been a lot. I've been to a lot of like concerts, like events. Um, I saw my favorite artist ever. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say my favorite artist. My an artist who made my favorite album ever, who's Tyler the Creator. Right. I saw him live a couple times. That was great. So Kendrick Lamar, that was really good. Um, and then just like the the fucking Macklerose, like seeing them live twice is like awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love them to death. Not yet had that pleasure. Uh, That's true. I, or, or I, it's coming up. I think I'm fairly grounded with my sort of philosophy of, of celebrity, and I think mm. it would take a lot for me to be starstruck. Um, well, I, I I guess I interpreted it more as just uh, when was that? When was the time that you met somebody that really means something to you? Yes. So yeah. like st- being starstruck is tough because I think you and I are sensible enough people to know that like <laughs> while very famous and or they do something that you really like, they're still just people. Well, what, what, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. What I was going to say is I've been to concerts. I've been to see Queens of the Stone Age live. Uh, I've been oh, to nice. see Foo That's Fighters right. live. I've been to see. Oh, wow. Uh, luckily enough, this, this is this is crazy to me. I went to see Foo Fighters live twice with a group of friends who like them more than I do. I like nice. them. But one time, Queens of Stone Age were supporting, so I was like, well, I'm going to go for the support and enjoy the, the band anyway. Uh, Motorhead were also supporting at that point. Nice! And That's that, a hell of a concert. And I was like, mm, I'm pretty good, you know. Um, as, along with PJ Harvey and Angels and Airwaves. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an outdoor thing. Um, very cool. That was very cool. And uh, I'm actually going to set them all free because my sister was going and she had a spare ticket which she couldn't sell. So she just gave it to me. Which nice. Kind of a, so that was amazing. That was a great experience. Um, and then I went when they were playing at Wembley with some college friends and they were supported by, what was it, Supergrass and... Oh, I can't remember the name of the other band. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so they came on stage and they played their set. And both times, Dave Grohl's like, oh, we got a special guest. So I've just watched <laughs> okay. Queen of the Stone Age, Motorhead, Foo Fighters, and he yep. brings out Brian May to play guitar with him. And nice. the drummer of Queen to come and play. So, or yeah, so it ended up being Taylor Hawkins playing guitar. Yeah, Brian May playing guitar. Uh, was that right? Jesus. How, how did it go around? It was something. It, it it was like I can't remember quite how the roles were, but it was like Dave Grohl became the singer for Queen. While <laughs> while. Uh, that's right, because Taylor Hawkins wasn't drumming because the drummer for Queen, Queen was. Uh, so right. there was some mixing around of the roles. And I was like, wow, okay. this is amazing. Like, I would totally have come to see Queen had I known this was the thing. And obviously it wasn't completely <laughs> Queen, yeah. but like an amazing experience. Well, I was like, wow, I was so lucky to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then some years later, I went to Wembley and we watched all the support. And then 
Foo Fighters came on, and then Dave Grohl's like, we've got a special guest, and out come John Paul Jones and Roger Taylor of Pig, oh uh, of Led Zeppelin. God. So later on, they went on to collaborate and do them Crooked Vultures, which is also one of my favorite ones, which I went to yeah, see live. Yeah, sure. So I went to yeah. see members of Queens of the Stone Age, members of Led Zeppelin, members of Foo Fighters all playing together as a group. Damn. But before that, I saw them perform as Led Zeppelin and Foo Fighters mashed together. So once again, they came out, they switched roles, John Paul Jones played bass, Roger Taylor played drums, and 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 and, uh, and uh, they, yeah, sang some Led Zeppelin songs. You're just like, what the fuck is my life at this that point? That is so cool. So through sheer luck, I would say that's probably You've the time I'm most people. starstruck. But I didn't meet them. They were on stage, and they were yeah. like, uh, at the time, I didn't really know who John Paul Jones was. Now I'm far more familiar. Like he's like mm. arguably the least famous of Led Zeppelin, but yeah. still an astounding talent and and uh, totally. amazing musician and um, amazing to see on stage. Um, so that's one end of the spectrum. Uh, the other end of the scale for me is. Uh, you know this story already, is I joined Patrick Rothfuss's Minecraft server. <laughs> now, I'm I'm a big fan of Patrick Rothfuss, uh, but he's not, like, world famous. I mean, he's famous famous, but he's not, hey, like... Hey, I joined that server, too. You couldn't walk down the street, say his name, and expect people to know who you're talking about. Whereas you say Led Zeppelin, people know Led Zeppelin. If you say the King Killer Chronicles, they'll say, what's that, a, a game? Right. Like, what are you talking about? But <laughs> sure. within the world of fantasy authors, he is successful and he is well-known. And to me, he's certainly in that realm of famous person. So mm-hmm. um, when I, I donated to his his son's uh, World Builders campaign, giving me access to the server, and I was in there one afternoon, and he joined. I think it was me, one other person, and Patrick Roffers. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey! And he said, hi! And I was like, <gasps> he spoke to me. <laughs> and then he said, how do you find the screenshots that Minecraft takes on your computer? And I tech supported Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, you did. I, said, I, I think I, I was either there click for that the link or I was privy to it. In the chat, or you can navigate to the folder, blah, blah, blah. And he said, thanks, and left. And I was like, oh my God, we're best friends. You've done it. <laughs> and then you did. You, you went the next day to the server yeah. and went, I'm best friends <laughs> with Patrick Rothfuss. And what I liked about it so much is obviously we're not best friends, but what I liked about it so much is that it was such a mundane interaction. But it was something he initiated. It wasn't me yep. going up to a celebrity and saying, "I'm a guy. I'm such a big fan." Yeah, which I would if I saw him. I would walk up to him and say, "I'm the chancellor of your biggest fan server." You know, <laughs> I totally would. But it was the fact that it was just a casual, "Hey man, can you help me out?" Yeah, sure. Like that was it. It was nice. It was like my colleagues at le- at least. It was nice. <laughs> I-, I always love hearing about people's interactions with celebrities, and my favorite versions of that mm. are like oh yeah keanu reeves told me that that toilet is clogged i shouldn't go in that one i should go in the next one like it's like these super stupid mundane yeah. human things that like uber celebrities will 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 do yeah uh, i love that shit so yeah starstruck i don't know if i could ever call myself like properly starstruck but i, I feel the same uh but meeting people that i admire i've done quite a bit all right um, whose poster was on your wall growing up? Uh, am I still growing up? Does that count? I can look around me. If you have posters, I'd be interested. But I think they mean like when you were still, still aspiring to be who you turned into, if that makes sense. Like who who were your inspirations or interests? I have um, I have Blues Brothers, Fight okay. Club, Dogma. It's a great movie. 
I had Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Real Big Fish, the band. Really? Yeah. Uh, my sister bought me that back from a concert. Uh, what was the other thing? And, and Yoda. Oh, and and this makes me sound so stupid. I had an Apple Mac poster from the original multicolored IMAX that came out. Cause I owned really, one, and it came with it, and it just said nice. It had the had the five colors, I think, in an RT picture, and it just said yum underneath. <laughs> um, my uh, my dad has worked for Apple for the last almost twenty three years. Right. So that's but we our our Apple memorabilia that's mm. it's always been like ever since i was growing up it's always been like that um i had a lot of rotating posters the one that stayed consistent i think was a framed one that my dad had uh when he was younger that he gave to me and i had in my room for a really long time was a poster of the film tombstone oh yeah yeah uh which is which is partially where holiday comes from yeah uh i have i was talking to our uh, our mutual friend uh della uh, yesterday, I I have two posters for the same film on my wall, and I got them at two separate times. They're of the same scene. It's I'll, I'll say what it is. It's it's uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Oh wow, amazing! I don't know, I, I don't know if you saw that artwork. film. Yeah, absolutely, several times. When when he jumps off of the building, and there's that really yeah, really incredible shot, the leap of faith scene, right where he's yeah. jumping off, and he is right side up, but the entire world, yeah. the building, and, and everything is upside down. I have two separate posters of that exact moment. Without even realizing it. Well, it's funny you should mention it, because I'm now realizing I had two pictures, two, two full-size posters of Reservoir Dogs. One is really? the famous scene with, with Mr. Blonde and uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mr. Pink sh- pointing guns at each other. And the other one was like a film reel, uh, like random scenes and the titles and blood splatter and stuff, like more, more of a movie poster than, mm. than a scene. But yeah, can I, um, un- can I unfortunately add something to the tally of films that Holly has not seen? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's funny because I asked someone the other day. Uh, they were like, they were like, "Oh, I've seen nearly all the Tarantinos," and I said, "Which ones have you not seen?" And they said, "Jackie Brown," and I said, "Yeah, it's all right." I mean, most people could skip that without like, like I liked it. I watched it. Like I went through a yeah. phase where I watched all the Tarantinos back to back, sort of thing. I I had a. <laughs> Probably yeah, ten fifteen years ago, I had a, a director phase. I got to that point in my fan, uh, uh, f- fanness of fanness of films, my film yeah, fandom, sure, where uh, it was more than just oh, well, I want to watch the classics or I want to watch the new stuff. It was I'm gonna look at the oeuvre of a director. I see. So I did a Cronenberg binge. I did a, a David Finch binge. I did a, a a Tarantino binge where I just watched everything they'd ever made. Um. I feel like I can get that way sometimes with movies. Um, my favorite director is Wes Anderson because mm. I love I love that <laughs> symmetrical artsy shit. Didn't we discover I'd seen more Wes Anderson movies than you? Yes, and I'm <laughs> there like are, there are a couple okay. I haven't seen. <laughs> and he's my favorite director, and I haven't seen as many as you have. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I love. My, I'd consider uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel to be top three favorite films of all time. For wow, me. I, I absolutely would not. <laughs> that's right. You have it. You had us as like a two-star film on your letterbox. No, that's not true. I enjoyed it. Wes Anderson's not my favorite director. I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel while on holiday with my parents in Cornwall. A uh, the local town to where we were staying were doing a, a cinema movie night, and we went along and they served like sandwiches and a soft drink, and then they projected a movie like as their local community. We went along as like an activity. Uh. 
it probably detracted from the movie. <laughs> uh, really? I don't think I would have loved it anyway, but it was just all right. I was like, yeah, this is a movie. Like it's That's fair. The humor doesn't quite line up with my humor. I prefer things to be darker and more yeah. dry. It can be a bit too, you know, fun and kooky. And I think, yeah, all right, go with it, you know. I, I think I think a huge aspect of, of Wes Anderson, and this is one of the, re- the things that I really, really love about his films, mm-hmm. is that he is not at all afraid for the audience to know that they're watching something that's fake. Absolutely. Right? He is totally cool yeah. with you seeing the, you know, the models, like the little clay models he uses, or the, the like very staccato nature of his like almost stage production like scenes. There's, there's a, there's a fun fact about fantastic Mr. Fox, which is one of my favorites from him uh, that I really, really love. And it's, it's really a strong indication of, of his mentality when he makes films Yeah, is that when making the models, fantastic Mr. Fox is a claymation film. Yeah. And when making the models for that film, they were debating using fake uh, animal fur or real animal fur, depending on what the animal was. And they the, the the people who make the figures went to Wes Anderson and said, hey, we can use real animal fur if you'd like, but the problem is we're going to be touching and moving these figures all the time, yeah. and you're going to see our fingerprints and, and our, our finger impressions in this fur. And he goes, that is exactly what I want. And, and they do have that kind of rippling... Effect. Yeah, the fur the fur is moving and 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 rustling and because he wants you to see that this is a thing that's being manufactured that it's a fake thing, uh, which I really admire. I, I like people using the medium as part of the art. Like when I when I watch films that try really really hard to distract you from the fact that you're watching a film, like you're watching a window into someone's real life. Yeah, sometimes I get exhausted, and then that is. Uh, that just paves paves the way for immersion breaking Absolutely. in a really really heavy way. Whereas I like sometimes to be like, yeah, I'm watching a puppet show, <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, and, and that can be and that can be great fun. Um, yep. Speaking of puppet shows, have you seen the movie uh, Anomalisa? No, I am. I know it's a Charlie Kaufman, and we're looping back into my top favorite films of all time, which is so funny. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, is my favorite film ever made. It is excellent. Uh, I I wouldn't put it in my top ten, but it is very good. Uh, I've seen a good number of Charlie Kaufman either written or directed films, and I love them. Anomalisa is one that I have not yet braved because I know it's really really sad. It, it's um, it is a fascinating fusion of exactly what you're saying about the 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 lack of immersion because they are clearly puppets and mm-hmm. a deeply immersive real emotional storyline it is claymation as well yes uh, it, it, a stop motion yeah they are yeah, yeah, yeah. they are articulated puppets with different faces mm-hmm. and things that move around um it is it is uh, amazing yeah uh yeah i've i've heard that one's really good um, I should, we, should we go back to the so, uh, well, I, I was I just looked up Charlie Kaufman movies because I couldn't remember what he'd done. Mm-hmm. But being John Malkovich adaptation, confession of a dangerous mind, exceptional adaptations, exceptional and anomaly. So I've all I've seen all those. So that's four, four out of five out of eight or something that he's okay. Um, but have I you seen? seen I'm thinking of ending things. No, 
Oh, that's a phenomenal one. That one's really, really dark. I was talking uh, with Della about it. Surrealist uh, psychological day. thriller. I don't think so. Really, really dark. It does uh, not take I the fun, whimsical side that being John Malkovich does. Did you know that that film was supposed to be being Steve Buscemi? <laughs> there was a concept in that, that film been... that it was that that it it could have been being Steve Buscemi, that and that would have so been different. An earth-shatteringly amazing <laughs> thing. I love John Malkovich. He's just just weird enough for that role. Right, but, but serious. Steve Buscemi would be Steve Buscemi like, would have been. That would be yes. a cultural touchstone. Uh, what what posters do you have in the room you're currently in? Do you have? Um, I actually recently moved room, so I don't. I have. Okay. <laughs> what would you have? It you sounds have? so 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 uh, vain. I have my own artwork on my walls <laughs> at the moment. Oh, that's right. You do. You do um, have artwork. And... I would have. What would I have? What would I choose? I would put my dogma poster up again. Okay. For sure. I think it's one of Kevin Smith's most thoughtful movies. He's done some real thoughtless mm -hmm. movies, which are not necessarily sure. bad, but they're their own thing. Whereas dogma is genuinely, he's he's making some points, and they're good points. I agree. Um, other than that, I'd have to think about it quite a lot. I, I, I definitely put a Queens of the Stone Age poster up. I've mm -hmm. loved Queens of the Stone Age for as long as I can remember, and I think... Uh, they deserve a place of 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 uh, recognition next to yeah. movies. Other than that, I'm not sure to be honest. It, it would be posters are not something I've ever really put that much stock in. I had a bunch because really? like I had wall space to fill, but I would absolutely put a cowboy bebop poster up. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'll. It, that's my next tattoo. Is is a bebop? Oh tattoo. wow, I think I it's. it's I don't have any tattoos. It's, that's a good question. As you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have four. It's actually question seven on this list. Is it really? Should <laughs> yeah. we skip to that? Yeah, do you have any tattoos? No, I have. I, I know you already said you don't. I, I have do four. Not. My first of which is a, uh, a number seven uh, on my, let's okay. see, right below my right hand. Lucky number seven. Uh, well, it, it's because um, my family, my immediate family, there are seven of us. So right. there's my parents, myself, and my four younger siblings, who, and they're the most important people in my life. So the, I got a tattoo for them. Uh, the next one was uh, a tattoo from Disney's The Princess and the Frog. Interesting. Um, not to spoil that film. Uh, that that film means a lot to me uh, and mm. and my family. We we it, it's our favorite like family movie as as a as a group of people. It's our yeah. favorite movie. Um, not to spoil that, there is a there are two stars that that mean a lot to that film. Towards the very end, I have that on my left wrist. Right below that, I have the um, uh, what what do you call it? The rune, I guess, the logo from uh, the bracers that the characters wore in the Adventure Zone's Balance arc. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like I said, that's a Balance that's symbol. that's the most that's the most important like piece of media yeah. in my life. I love it to death. I'm currently on my like eighth re-listen to wow. it, and I'm also having Della listen to it as well. It's, oh, it's it's very very important to me. And then I have a uh, Lord of the Rings tattoo. I have the text that is on the ring in the in the uh, the black speech, black speech, dark speech. I don't yeah. know. Considering it's permanently etched into my body, I should know that. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a corrupted dialect of Elvish of some sort. Yeah, correct. Would you? Let, let's do this since you don't have any if you had to gun to your head right now get a tattoo from anything what what would it be i would get a uh from anything no uh i'm far too pretentious for that i would get okay, I a, a triangular square and a circle on my forearm okay 
Uh, they Talk are, they are the fundamental shapes. Uh, mm -hmm. They are the simplest of the platonic solids. Um, uh, a, a, a triangle-based pyramid, a cube, and a sphere are the, the most mm -hmm. the most iconic platonic solids, and I yeah. use them in my art all the time, and I have a book about them. Like the, uh, My uncle gives me a book which has no title. It just has a picture of a triangle, a square, and a circle on the cover. Okay. And it discusses the where these things turn up in nature and in man-made stuff and how they're repeated throughout vast areas of the world. And, I, and that captures a lot of my sort of artistic philosophy. So I'd be pretentious enough I'd get that. Interesting. Something so inherently basic in terms of, like... Oh, yeah. Artistic, like, impact. Yeah. Like, the, they're just the base for... Most, if not all, shapes, but it, yeah. but but so meaningful to you. I mean, new listeners may not know uh, that I I paint abstract art a lot of the time, uh, but anybody from the country would have seen some of the pictures I've done and 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 the the profile pictures I use on Discord. Um, a lot of circles, a lot of straight lines, quite a few squares. Triangles is something I reserve because to me, triangles are the most complicated, even though. For mm -hmm. whatever reason, that's what it works. That's what it is in my head. Um, <laughs> it's hard to explain sometimes, but yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, do you know Adam Savage's ta forearm tattoo? I don't. He it? has a scale, like a ruler, on his arm, <laughs> which is not really? the most accurate. But like when he's holding a screw and he's like, "What fucking size is this?" He hold up, oh, three quarter inch. Oh, and that's you see amazing. him do it in videos, like two or three times in a video. It's just amazing to be able to just go. It's about yeah twenty centimeters, and just hold and your arm it's, up it. It's as practical as it is meaningful, right? It's, it's, Absolutely, it's functional creativity, which is like my favorite thing on earth. I'm sure, considering we're venturing into the podcast world together, we'll you'll hear me talk about that fucking fifteen times a day. Functional creativity is my favorite like concept yeah. of like this like instead of being traditionally creative which is expression and art artistry and all these things is creativity that mixes in with utility 100 percent. i love it to death and that's a perfect example of like here is a thing that proves that i am a maker i'm a builder um mm -hmm. and, and and i'm a i'm a person that like really prides myself on the things that i can create absolutely like physically and also just it's useful <laughs> also you like it, it's a ruler on your arm seeing him use it is like it's it's like when someone carries a knife on their belt, but you've never seen them whittle a stick in their life. And you're like, why do you carry that? <laughs> and when you've got a penknife on you and someone's like, oh, no, I can't cut these zip ties or whatever, you just be like, here you go. And you produce it. Done. Boom. Yeah. And they're like, oh, thanks. It's like that. When you see music, it, it, not only does it justify it completely, but it adds a layer of justification on top of that he just wanted it. Like, it becomes, it marries the two together so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And um, uh, so, gun to my head, second tattoo would probably be that, gotcha. like something functional like that, where, where, where I could just be like, "There's a reason for it," and, and have it on your forearms is like, you can look at it, you can cover it up with a long sleeve, you can you can show it to people easily, and it's usable easily. I've never understood people who get like back tattoos and stuff. Like you're never going to have to look at it. Yeah, I I always wonder that myself. Is that that's something you'll never physically see? Yeah, right. I just, I, I guess I just mirror, have to really. trust that that it's there. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know? I'm sure. It's holding up the front of your neck. <laughs> no, I mean a tattoo on it. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm sure there's a few more questions on that list, but we're we're reaching. 
yeah. probably the hour mark. Well, I was just looking through them, and the um, there there are some like um, "Have you ever walked out of a film?" Um, which is kind of like I mean I'm sure everyone has at some point, but I, I haven't really. No, I, never I mean have. I haven't either, but I assumed everyone else did. <laughs> no, I've never done it <laughs> wow. because it's money you spent on a thing. Yeah, right. A friend of mine, and I, I'm very. Um, with with films and books and and shows and things, I'm very like completionist. So it's like uh, I, I I don't feel okay putting down on Letterboxd or Goodreads or whatever that I have finished a thing unless I have finished that thing. Well, I have a somewhere I still have the the chat log of it. A friend of mine went to see The Happening at uh, the cinema. Oh God! Uh, and they started texting me halfway through it how bad it was. <laughs> and then the line I wonder if I can find it the line was something like oh it's so bad I want to shit my pants <laughs> um, and they were like oh, I need to go home and watch like Iron Man or something that's like something I know good. it's good that I'm going to enjoy uh, and, and it sort of um, <laughs> stuck in my mind and they left halfway through in the end they were like I can't stand it <laughs> that's um, brilliant but I, I haven't personally left any movies um, no neither have I I uh, also don't like I, I, my going to the movies days mm. started probably a year and a half ago. Right. I used to be yeah. very particular about, um, I, I, I'm, I have the luxury of most of my life being able to watch films from my house. Like, yeah. I understand I've, that that was the way to go see movies. A lot of before film I was alive. fans are into the, the process of it. They're like, oh, it's an experience. You've got to go and see it at the, at the cinema. Uh, whereas for me, it's much more about the content of it. I'll happily watch it. Yeah. On my computer or TV at home and, and just take it in like that. But that's, that's, that's probably partially an ADHD kind of thing, you know, where I have three things going at once. Mm. I'm very particular about uh, brightness of the screen and volume yeah. and, like, positioning. Like, a lot of a lot of that stuff I'm very particular about. I nearly always wear headphones, for sure, with, with yeah, music and movies and stuff. It's a, it's, a, it's a stereo experience. I can't just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if I'm spending the money to go see a film, I'm going to watch that whole film, yeah. even if it's garbage. Uh, the rest of the uh, question on this list include how much is a pint of milk, which we discussed. Uh, sure. What's the worst smell in the world? What's the worst thing you've put in your mouth? Um, um, what's your I can answer both of those really quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to do that, and then and then we'll get to the next the sure. Well, this one, one last one, one I think might actually be uh, interesting. So Okay. Well, well, we'll answer those real quick, get to that last one, and then we'll yeah. call it, I think, right? Hello, dear listener. Hope you're uh, enjoying the episode so far. I am editing it currently and have found that the next two minutes are really gross. (laughs) Uh, So quick content warning for the uh, squeamish. We talk about the worst smells and tastes we've ever experienced. Naturally, there's going to be some rough, (laughs) rough stuff in there. Uh, If you'd like to avoid this conversation, skip ahead around two minutes, maybe two minutes, 15 seconds. Thanks. See you soon. Uh, so what was the first one? Smell? Oh, I used to work at a butcher shop. Oh, yeah. My first, if you can call it a job, was it was an under-the-table, like, in cash every week, no taxes, when I was 16, mm. uh, job at a butcher shop that has since closed. Um, everything in there, that building, <laughs> was maybe the worst thing I ever smelled, because I was a dishwasher, so I, it Gross. would just be like, I mean, s- squeamish avert your ears, it would be like, blood... And it would be rotting meat all the time, and and it it, it was 
horrendous the smells that I experienced there. Well, what's funny is the answer to the question I'm reading. I happened to be looking at this list on joancollins.com. Uh, okay. Uh, and she said it was a, a, a bad oyster. It was the worst thing she ever put in her mouth. Oh, and that sounds oh. like the worst thing in the world. In your mouth, that's pretty bad. Yeah, she, I she put, almost died um, from it. So, Jesus, really? I mean, off, I, mean I guess, yeah, oysters, that, that, could, yeah. that could take you out. Yeah. Um, I when I was in Disneyland once, sitting on the ground in line for the Hollywood Tower of Terror, which has since oh, yeah. changed. Uh, I let my bottle cap drop in a pile of ash from a cigarette, Ugh. and then put it back in my mouth because I was like chewing on it because I was like a I would chew on plastic sure. as a kid. That was pretty bad. That was like yeah. throwing up so bad that my parents had to like take us out of line and we had to get back in and they were all pissed because we we lost our place. I have a very posh British one for you. Uh, I was at go, go one of it. my uncle's dinner parties, and uh, it was around Christmas, and they'd done like a proper uh, like ham roast where you stick the cloves in the fat to impart the flavor. Oh, yes. yes and I is. happened to have a whole clove on the edge of the slice oh, of my ham, no. and I took a bite with it, and it was like just pervades your it? whole mouth. And it's I was so bad. gagging, yeah. I could not get it. And it's not meant to, even not in that bad of a flavor, it was just so strong. It mm. made me want to be sick, you know. And I'm at a polite dinner party, so I had to just gently, you know, Grin find a napkin and, and drink more water and pretend yeah. everything's fine. And then everything for the rest of the night tasted like yeah. That's rough. Uh, yeah. All um, right, what's that, uh, what's that last one? The last question is, what thing do you do better than anyone else? Oh, God. Uh, which I think is interesting because it's a philosophical question as much as a practical one. Like, do you consider yourself to have like a talent or or like a skill that other people seem to struggle with? Um, maybe N- nothing even close to what you're describing, which is better than anyone else. And and I'm not even saying better than anyone else in the world. I'm saying better than anybody I know. I'm sure I know people who can do things that I do well better than me. Sure. Um. So I don't want to say that blanket, but I, I've always been my I, I've been pl- I've played music. Uh, I've been playing instruments for like right, right. 14 years, something like that. Uh, whether it's like started with a ukulele because I, I was gifted one and then that bridged into guitar and then bass and then piano and then drums, like like a, b- a bunch of different stuff. I am very good at being able to when someone starts to play something on an instrument, whatever I whatever instrument I am on. I feel very comfortable finding something, even if it doesn't directly match the song they're playing. If it's like a song already put out by a, by another artist, I feel very confident in being able to create a sound that will match whatever they're playing well enough to like jam with. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt very good about that. Like, even though I have zero musical knowledge in terms of theory or application or reading music or anything like that, like, like I can never be a professional musician, but, Whenever someone is playing something, I can be like, "Oh, I could just play this along with it, and it'll sound good." I, I think I, I have. I, a, I guess that's what I have. I think I have a pretty similar relationship with with art in that I am not at all classically or formally trained. I've just been painting and drawing and messing around uh, for, yeah. for years. Um, you know, started out when I was a kid. I used to draw birds or cats or whatever it was, and then went all through school and. I did go to university and do an art course, but it was a very general all over. I did moving image, photography, graphics, uh, you know, 
sculpture. Um, it was only post-university I really started painting seriously. Uh, but I have a sort of ability to add something to a picture to give it the flavor someone's aiming for. Um, okay. A good example is, um, to touch on something we haven't mentioned yet, is is I play Dungeons and Dragons quite often. Uh, with a group S- of as do I. That's, a, that, that's another leg into oh, how yeah. we met and became close, but and, we'll talk about that um, One particular rather impromptu session, someone had not got any prepped uh maps at all so they just had a picture of some a grass with uh, some grass with a, a path on it and as they were speaking was i privy to this i don't was think I you this? were okay uh, as they were speaking dming i was drawing on them on the screen what they were describing and they were like stumbling <laughs> over their words going how are you drawing what i'm saying like as i'm saying it Okay. It was super simple line work. They were describing a town and a marketplace, so I'd be like, "Okay, wagons and crates and tables." And by the end of it, well, by the time they'd stop speaking, there would be like a fruit stall and a butcher stall or whatever, you know. And they'd be like, "What?" Uh-huh. And it wasn't super complicated or anything. It wasn't like I'm saying, "Oh, I drew amazing stuff." It's just basic shapes, right? But, but it's the... it's it's taking what is in someone else's head and putting it into physical space yeah and like you were saying jamming with someone even if you're not exactly matching what they're playing you can find the basic building blocks of musicianship and place yeah. them so that they complement it and it's yeah, a totally. similar kind of thing with me i can take those basic building blocks of drawing and i can imply what they're trying to imply with it like that mm-hmm. matches their vision and this happened three or four times in a row each time they change scene i'd redraw whatever it was <laughs> and they'd be like, hold on, I've got to take a picture of this. And I'm like, it's just squares and circles, mostly. It's not <laughs> just even, been, yeah. It's not, it's not important or anything, like, long-lasting. It's just, you know. Yeah. It was so unfamiliar to them as a, as a, as a skill. I thought, oh, right. You know. That's so funny. Um, I think my mind works quite differently to other people's when it comes to visual creativity. Uh, and I'm sure there are lots of people out there who have a similar experience to me but among my friends most people seem to be quite surprised when i can do things like that on the fly uh, so yeah i dig it um, yeah me too yours is a lot more practical than mine uh, <laughs> only only if you're into dungeons and dragons uh, i've used it in puzzle quiz game activity things like that parties and things but mostly it's not very applicable like day-to-day I think you and I suffer from a very similar thing, which is all of our, like, skills that we have put time and effort into are not at all practical. Right. And ju- just based in leisure. So this is it. Like, this is this is the podcast where we take all of our pointless skills and we make them work for us. So, so what do we... Okay. So, so how, how about for first feature at the end of the podcast, we wrap up the things we have learned might be good for a future episode. Oh, so, I like that. So, I mean, someone should start a Google Doc, but that's fine. We, we'll have. Oh, that'll be someone's job, I'm sure. Uh, we've talked about an intro, right? We talked about a theme song. Uh, yeah, we could we could get to work on that. Maybe. Uh, and then we've talked about well, we've asked each other questions, which I think is quite good. And we talked about uh, was it uh, what do you call it? Cultural differences. Cultural differences, yeah, which were. Uh, it'll mostly rapper. probably be me getting angry about the way <laughs> British people do things. So, so at the very least, we go intro, interesting questions, cultural differences, wrap up, outro. Yeah, sure. 
That I sounds mean, good for for the next couple episodes until something better comes along. Absolutely. And and how uh, do we? Sorry, go ahead. How do we feel about guests? Well, I, I was just thinking cultural differences would be interesting with a guest. That'd we, be great. We know quite a few international people, so if we could, we do compare cultural differences across the world. That'd be very many, interesting. Many people from your land, many people from mine, and then many mm. people from all over. Many in between. To discuss how people store their milk and what have you. <laughs> Some people <laughs> store their milk in bags. In bags, and they don't refrigerate it. Which is which is wild. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Uh, so I think um, one of the things I definitely wanted to get into this podcast at this point is mm -hmm. that I think a lot of good ideas come out of audiences that start listening to podcasts and they, there are always in every fandom, whether it's YouTube or whatever, like people in the comments going, oh my God, you should totally do this. You should, you should buy 17 cucumbers and sculpt them into the shape <laughs> of Danny DeVito. You know, and those comments sometimes get liked and commented and, and, and upvoted or whatever and, and they happen and I totally want that to be a thing I would love to I agree maybe each episode we try a feature from a suggestion so we'd be able that to pick and choose phenomenal but we have to pick one so if, if the listeners who are tuning in as it were now can come up with any ideas that uh, they're willing to share either, either if they know us personally they can message us personally or, or comment on sure. whatever whatever platform this happens to be on, whether yeah. it's YouTube or Apple Music or whatever. And there'll Apple also Podcast. be... I'll, I'll, I will set up an email to put in the... Uh, cool. In uh, the description as well. What, so what are we going to aim for that to be? Like. <laughs> Is it going to be like... Um, uh, moronic evolution at gmail.com or something? Uh, yeah, I mean... I might I'll, I'll, have that already. This, this won't be in the episode if it's not... If that's not what it is. Sure. We'll, that's we'll, that's we'll, going to be the goal. We'll dub it with a really bad... <laughs> That's not the email. <laughs> sure. Um, Be like redacted. Really. Yes. Uh, redacted at gmail.com. Um, um, so yeah, I, I like that. And I, I think that we're going to be very particular. No, I, I shouldn't say particular. We're going to be very active about engaging with what people want to hear yes. us do. And it's going to essentially be an excuse for people who know us and people who like to listen to the show to we'll be at their mercy basically they, they can suggest <laughs> some dumb garbage and we'll be like sounds great i i will let's let's roll it i will absolutely reserve the right to veto any suggestions but if it's oh, the yeah. only one then i mean that's true we we have to consider it much heavier yeah uh i look forward um, to it um as do i this is a this is an exciting and terrifying venture it does feel like a humble beginning but it, it feels like a promising one i agree um, so, last question. Do we have an outro? Um, like, do you want me to sing one, or are we... Do we do one? I mean, do you have one in mind? Yeah, you could roll no, it No, I don't have one in mind. Just straight off the dome? Yeah, I mean... All right, how about this? I'll do a word, you do a word, I'll do a word, we'll just pass it off. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, be... Your... Best... At... The... Only... <laughs> Kind of yourself that it can be. There you are. <laughs> Was it be the best at the only kind of yourself it could be? <laughs> that That is an outro and a tagline, if ever I've heard That's one. That's perfect. 
That's perfect. Thanks for I wouldn't listening, change guys. a thing. Be the best yourself that it can be. <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> okay, I'm Holly Davenport. Oh, and I'm John Kinte. Okay. And um, I, is... have we evolved? I don't know yet. We'll see you next week. I don't, I don't think so. We'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya.